listen, as Thanksgiving and Christmas draws closer, we surround ourselves with people. It's a family start coming together. Uh, all these things start to happen. We start to gather with people. And listen, any, anybody ever seen like the reel or the TikTok where it's like, they, I don't know, they play random videos, but then you hear in the background the, the voice overlay, oh no, what? People. You know, you know, and, and, and typically like this, I've seen ones with little dogs and they're like, they stop and they're like, they look back at their owner and they're like, it's like, oh no, what? People. You know, all these, and, we, and it's the reality. We're like, oh, I want to gather. I want to I feel connected. I want to be together. And then you get there and you're like, oh, people. <sighs> what do I do with them? I love them, but I hate them. I love them, but, but they drive me crazy. I love them, but they give me anxiety. I love them, but we feel connected. We feel loved. We feel cared for. But the reality is with people, we can also feel overwhelmed. We can feel guilt, Right? Think, think about this. Think about, and, and I think about this with, with Christmas. You feel like, I've got to buy everybody I know a gift. It's like, what in the world? When did that start happening? Like, I, you know, people are like, well, you know, my, my second cousin, third removed from my, you know, auntie's side. I got, they're going to be at Christmas. I got to get them something. A high five. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You're still breathing. That's awesome. Listen, you don't have to, listen, if you must, go get them a, a, a fruitcake. <laughs> Here. <laughs> By the way, if you like, fr- I've got one person in my whole life, one person that likes, oh, I've got two people in my whole life that like fruitcake. I don't get three, okay, you weirdos, okay. I feel like an auctioneer, going once, going twice, Mr. Sold. Like, listen, who wants a brick with fruit in it? That's, um, it's right up there with stuffing, by the way, and, or, or whatever you want to call it. Listen, whatever you want to call it, it's horrible, okay? I know I'm not making friends here this morning. You feel mistrust with people. You feel, uh, you know, anger sometimes. You see somebody and that anger rises up. And, and, and the reality is this, is that, that people can be a blessing, but they also can, they can play on all of the insecurities and the hurts that we have because we're human. And and it's funny because we want people to treat us with intention, but we want to treat people based off of their actions, right? So we say, judge me by my intentions. I meant good. I I meant right. But then we judge people by their actions. And and, and to be fair, that's, it's tough. Because unless you have the conversation, and I've said this throughout my whole ministry life, I tell people, listen, Nine times out of 10, communication is going to solve any issue you have. Nine times out of 10. If you talk to some, if you talk it out, you're going to come to a, a solution. And, and sometimes maybe that solution is, hey, look, I'm going to love you from afar. And that's okay. Like we don't, we think, oh, that's not biblical. Why not? Jesus said I had to love you. He didn't say that I had to be your best friend at all times. And so knowing those distances, knowing those levels, why would, you, why would you want to invite people into your life that you know are going to cause you to be anything other than godly? And it may be something you need to work on. Maybe it's something they need to work on, or maybe it's something y'all need to work on together. But the reality is learning how to deal with people is extremely important. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, right? We've all, you know, listen, the beginning of John three sixteen: for God so loved the world. What does that mean? For God so loved people. If he loved people and we're called to live like him, then, then guess what? By proxy of that, unfortunately for some of you, you have to love people. 
We're called to love people. We're, we're called to, to treat people like Jesus treated them. And so people, if people are his passion, guess what becomes our passion? People. When I talk about the church being filled, it's not because I want to be known. It's not because I want to have a mega church. It's not any of that, okay? If, and I told you this before. If that was the case, I moved to the wrong city. Should have moved to Camden, New Jersey, which had a bigger population. Okay? It's not about building my church or building my name. Okay? It's about, and I love the way that this was put. Uh, Pastor uh, Jackson Sinyunga from Africa once said this. He goes, every chair is a testimony. I want you to catch this. A testimony against us as the church of somebody who doesn't know Jesus. I was like, whoa. I was like, that's powerful. Because it's not about feeling this place so that we feel good. It's about there's people in Camden that don't know Jesus, and we are offering that to them. We're offering them a place where they can feel welcomed and loved and cared for and taken care of as a family. It's not about Pastor Scott's name. It's not about anybody's name at the front door to the kids' ministry. It's not about any of that. It is literally about seeing the passion of people and caring for them the way that Jesus cares for them. Um, if you don't know, I like hip-hop music. Um, I know. Surprise. Um, I've always loved it. Uh, one, at one point in my life, I thought I was going to be a rapper. Do not laugh. I said don't laugh, okay? Okay? If you know my... Listen, okay. <laughs> listen. Stop laughing at me. When I was 16 years old, my first email... Uh, that I created is still, um, I, I still have it. I still check it. Um, it was my original, God, this is so horrible. Why am I talking about this? Um, my original hip hop name, uh, my, my rap name, because you know, you didn't go by your name back then. You had some like stage name. And so it was Christian Soldier spelled S-O-U-L. I know I'm so cool and hip. Um, and so, <laughs> shut up and don't judge me. Uh, so, <laughs> But I really do love Christian hip-hop. And, and I'll tell you why I love Christian hip-hop. First of all, I love hip-hop in general. Um, but Christian hip-hop, apart from most other Christian genres, will, will give you, and they're actually extremely theological, uh, first of all. If you listen to a lot of Christian hip-hop, and I can give you a laundry list of people that you'll listen to, and you'll go, holy cow, they speak more about Jesus, more about Scripture than most Christian music that you'll listen to. Um, but they will give it to you in a very real and raw mindset. So one of my favorites, his name's Lecrae, and he just came out with a new album called CC4, Church Close 4. It's the fourth, uh, uh, and the fourth and the last of a mixtape that he does called Church Close. And in that uh, album, he has a couple of lines, the first one in the first song, uh, which is CC4. And he says this, and I want you to catch this. It says, and, and, and I actually have it up there so that way if y'all want to follow along, it says, some of us hate on each other, we bang on each other like we ain't been covered in blood. We try to cripple each other, we trip on each other like we ain't in need of his love. Meanwhile, these people confuse, so they pray to the universe. Our life is how, we, how people view the church. Say we want peace, say we want unity, we need to move as a unit first. I love that. It's, it's very crazy to think, like, like we, we have a lot of things that we say from the church side of it. We say we are about love, but then what do we show? We, we say we're about unity, but then what do we show? 
We, we say we care, but then do we show it? See, there's a lot of things we can say, but the question is, are we living it? And, and, and we want to say the right things because that's what the Bible says. You know, the Bible tells me I'm to love people. The Bible says I'm to care for people. I'm supposed to hear the burdens of people. But then the reality is, it's not what does the Bible say, but does our life reflect the gospel? Because I can say a lot of things, but if my life doesn't reflect it, what good is what I say? That's why a lot of people don't trust people because they'll say one thing and then they'll do another. He has not another uh, song in the album, he says this. He says, we say united we stand, but division is our therapy. <sighs> Y'all, if, this does, if that doesn't hit the depth of your soul, like, I, I, I heard that line and I was like, oh, I feel that. I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's on our money. It's, 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 it's like part of our slogan is part of our country. United we stand. But really, is it? And, and let me say this even from the church standpoint is that we say unity is, is a core value because that's what Jesus is about, bringing people together. But a lot of times we can't even invite people into our own church because we're afraid of the division. When we moved here on our... Um, Communication cards out there. There was uh, the way that it's written at the top. It, it says, like, married, single, other. <laughs> also says male, female underneath it, I think. Uh, 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 it's just a way we can get information. I had somebody call me and say, Pastor, I'm just, I'm concerned. Okay. What you concerned about? Well, I'm just concerned. What does the other mean? <laughs> What do you mean? It says, well, it says married, single, other. Like, is that like for homosexuality? Why would you ever take it there? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, it's, it's other. And if, it's, if you're married or single, then what's the, 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 what's the in between? So I never thought of that. I really wasn't for the, the male. I, the, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I said, but you don't think that divorced people don't walk in here? I said, and then I stopped and I paused and I said, and so what if they are gay? This is where everybody left the church because they think I'm for it. Now, listen, I want you to hear me. Do we judge somebody by what and who and what they say they are when they walk in these doors? Because if so, we all need to leave. If we're judging based off of what we think we are, or what other people say they are, then we all don't have a right to be in the holiness of God. We all should leave. So what if somebody comes in here and says, I'm one of the 52 binary movements of the universe. I don't care. It doesn't offend the truth that I know. And it doesn't change how I love them. And there is a far difference between letting them in and hearing the gospel and hearing the love of God and, and, and listen, catch me, accepting that they are a human being that needs to know the love of Christ and accepting everything that everybody throws out there. I don't have to agree that there are 53 bajillion different variations of whatever, because I know what the Bible says. But it's also not a sticking point because guess what? At the end of the day, either they will know the truth or they won't. It's not my job to convert them. The Bible's very clear that it's my job to love them. 
And, and, and we're going to talk about what, why loving them through those moments. And, and that's just one of many, right? Because in a lot of places, a lot of churches could just slap on there, Republicans only. Like people that call themselves Democrat can't know Jesus. When did we de- decide that division was what would be defined by the church? I don't care what you are. Because it's God's job to convict you, not mine. I'm just a speaker of truth, but at the core of it, the Holy Spirit is going to talk to you. And, and, and listen, whether you want to choose your emotions or you want to choose the Holy Spirit to guide you, that's on you. That's not on me. I can only speak the truth and I can only show love. And what you do with it after that is, is your job. It's between you and God. So I want to look at our two core values, our two core scriptures for this series um, and one's out of the Passion Translations, one out of the message. So John 16, says this, and everything I've taught you, everything I've taught you, is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. This is Jesus speaking. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience troubles and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. See, God breathes into us his peace knowing that we're going to face troubles, we're going to face pressures, we're going to face people that we don't like, that are cactus, that are sandpaper. And he says, be courageous. I have conquered this world. Go and live it out like I've told you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, insert prayer. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayer, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So these these two scriptures are kind of the core of this whole series about pressure and how we deal with it and how we live within it because when we allow Christ to displace the worry, the stress, the pressure, the anxiety, the whatever you want to call that, when we trust him with it, then it, it seeps out like a sponge into every avenue of our life. So we have a couple of sayings here at Freedom when it comes to people, which are, the first one is, we're better together. You'll see, it's it's hashtag on almost every single Instagram and Facebook post. We we, we believe in it, that that we are better together. I am not better by myself. I'm not stronger by myself. We are better together. The other one that uh, we tell people, and we we say this, especially when it comes to life groups, is don't do life alone. A lot of times we prefer and we say, oh, uh, you know, I'll come to Sunday service, but, but life groups, I don't know, I don't have time, my schedule, blah, 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 blah. And it's an excuse and it's a lie from the enemy to say, if you get connected to people, then you will have an army of people ready to pray with you, ready to do life with you, ready to lock arms with you. And the enemy can't stand that. And so he says, go to church. Cole, go to church. It's okay. Just go to church. But man, do not get connected to a life group because we don't need you to be a strong young man in God. Just, just go to church. And, and so, so we, we, we tell ourselves, oh, we're too busy for this, we're too busy for that. But God says, listen, don't do life alone. Have people that you have your back because people are important. Think about it. Most of us will not go into a place by ourselves. Most of us. Why? Because there's strength with numbers. There's a comfortability when you know somebody. What's the first thing you do when you walk into a place when you're by yourself is you start scanning the room looking for one person that you might know that might settle you down to go, ah, I found you. 
my person. And listen, it's like a quarterback read. If you know anything about football, they, they, in every play, there's, there's different reads. So when the quarterback drops back, right, he's got his number one read, okay? That person, he's looking at him. Okay, he's covered. Nope, gonna go to the second guy. Nope, he's covered. Okay, fine, I'll go to this person. The third, the third person, he's the tight end. He gets thrown to like two times a year. Okay, but you know, you're gonna get it. See, we walk into a room and we're like, okay, first person, person that I know really well. Nope, not here. Okay, second person. Okay, uh, ah, dang it. Third person, I saw them in school one time. Like, you know, like, we'll just take it. Like, hey, I know that person's name. I'm going to go say hi. And because we need that comfortability. People are important. And can I tell you this? We don't always get it right. You're not going to always be perfect. As a church, we don't get it right. There's times where we mess up. Listen, I've told you this before. If you, if you expect me to be perfect, I'm going to fail you. So let's just get it out of the way. I'm going to fail you at some point in your life. If you stick around and if I'm in your life, I'm going to fail you at some point. And here's the great thing. You're probably going to fail me at some point. And when we understand that okayness that, hey, listen, we're human and we're going to make mistakes. And that doesn't define whether our friendship ends or whether or not you're a good friend or a good person. Then we realize that humanity has failure moments and it's what we do from there that really counts. We want to be connected to people. So I want to give you some thoughts about people and about God's heart this morning. And uh, I, I promise you the intro was a lot, lot more than the, the back end of this, I promise. But I think it was important to set it up, why people are so important, why God's heart for people is so important. So uh, we're going to look at some scriptures and some points this morning. So the first scripture that I want you to look at is this, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says this, don't be fooled by those who say such things. So if you want to know what those such things are, go back and read 15, 30, 31, 32. It says, for bad company corrupts good character. Jesus set up the idea that who you are with is important. So my first point about people this morning is this. The people you do life with determine the life you will truly live. The people you do life with will determine who you, who you, the life you truly live. I've heard this saying so many times. As a matter of fact, I heard it uh, two weeks ago from somebody. It says, show me your friends and I will show you who you will be in a few years. Now already, some of you are rising up. Well, that's not true. I've got friends that are nothing like me. Okay, how often do you get around them now? Because I promise you the people that you are most connected to are going to be the people that are forming who you are. And you are forming who they are. Right? It's, 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 it's like this, most best friends, they start to think like each other, speak like each other. They, you know, it's, it's, it's this whole clueless mentality in the movie, not calling people clueless, just so that you're not offended. Right? It's this idea that, you know, oh, I know who they are. I know what they like. I, I, I get to know them, and, and it starts to mold. And I, I, I remember being back in high school when you would start to see, like, these individual people start to, like, mold into one person. You're like, whoa, that's weird. One person gets bleach bond tips in the, in the whole group. The whole group gets bleach bond tips. I'm showing my age in sync, Backstreet Boys, when they first came out. Baby, bye, bye. Out of all the things that didn't spill, I'm glad it's the one that wasn't that was open that didn't. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. Um, the podium just called me fat. That's awesome. Set you down right there. 
elephant up here. But, <laughs> so it's, it's this reality that we shape and we're shaped by the people that we hang out with and that we know. Listen, you either, you either move with or you move away from people. You, you start to say, these are my, you know, how many have ever said this or thought, thought this? Maybe you didn't say it out loud, especially guys, we don't talk like this. Like, those are my people. Like, no, you know, we're not Toy Story. Those are my people. The claw. Um, but the reality is, is that we do. We go, man, you know what? Those are, those are my, when, when I see you guys out and about, I'm like, those are my people. I run into Tony and Sarah all the time at Walmart. It's like, it's like guaranteed we're like magnets. If I'm in Walmart and they're in Walmart, we're going to find each other. It's like at least, you know, two or three times a month. We're like, we're just like, hey. Like, I don't shy away from you. Like, I'm like, oh God, it's not Sunday. What are you doing? <laughs> my wife can't stand sending me to Walmart because she knows whether I'm just going for a loaf of bread, I'm going to be there for 45 minutes because I'm going to run into somebody. And I'm not going to shy away from it. Man, I want, I want to see you on Monday. I want to see you throughout the week. I want to talk with you. I love getting text messages and Facebook messages. I love it. Now, listen, if I don't respond to you, it's because at the time maybe I can't, but I love people. I just, I want, you are my people. You're my tribe. You're, 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 you're what me and Stephanie long and love to be a part of. And, and, and we hope that the, the feeling is mutual and what we see when we do that is our, think, think about if you've been here for longer than two years, ask yourself the real question of, do you feel like you've changed? And the answer should be yes. Man, I, I'm different. I think different. I've got people that care for me. And the reality is like, I, I've told teenager after teenager this when I did youth ministry is, listen, nobody, no six-year-old is going, man, I hope I grow up and I'm a drug addict. The problem is, is that they get involved with people and they get around a, an environment that introduces it and normalizes it or alcoholism or pornography, any of these things. It's because somebody in their life introduced them and instead of moving away, we move towards it because there becomes a connection and a comfortability. And the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. If you want to be better, you got to get around people that are going to challenge you, encourage you. I, 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 I think of it like this. We, we just, you know, we just finished soccer second place. Woo -woo. Um, I know nothing about soccer. Uh, I do now more than I did like 13 weeks ago. But you know what the first thing I did when, when I found out I was going to be coaching? I went to YouTube. I went to Google. I started talking to people that know soccer. Why? Because I didn't want to get out there and be like, I know nothing about soccer. Kick the ball. Preferably towards your goal. Not our goalie. Like, I wanted to sound like I know what I was doing. So what do I do? I put myself around people that are going to be able to help me and to train and to get my eye and my thought process in a certain way. I was talking with Stefan many times because he knows about soccer. And so he'd, you know, he'd give, hey, what if you did this? Or how's the, how's the kids doing this? And, da, da, da. and I'm like, man, you, I, you should be coaching, not me. But instead, I got somebody in my life that is pouring into me. The, and it's the same thing with anything else. If you want to be wise, get around wise people. If you want to be foolish, you'll get around foolish people. I want people who encourage me, challenge me, make me a better person. The second thought about people is this. 
we are made to sharpen. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Your circle doesn't have to be massive to be mighty. But we have to have people in our life that are willing to tell us the reality. And can I tell you something? It may hurt. It may hurt sometimes. If you truly have really good friends in your life, you don't want it to always be sunshines and cupcakes. Oh, no, you should have felt like that. Oh, you should have thought that thought. Oh, yeah, you should have just cut them off. You should have cussed them out. It's all good. What? I want that friend in in my life that says, Scott, that was a really bonehead move. What could you have done different? You know, Scott, I don't know if I would have reacted that way. You said, what to your wife? And you're still breathing? Bless you, my child. I want somebody to tell me, hey, that's not what a father does. I want somebody to be able to look me in my eyes and say, is that really how Jesus would respond? Because at that point, they are saying this, I'm willing to wage our friendship on the reality of truth. And I'm not going to candy coat it for you, and I'm not going to be a jerk to it. I'm not going to come up and go, Chris, you're just an idiot. Peace out. No, but when I've got invited into his life as a friend and he says, hey, I'm going through something and I, I responded this way, is this, how, is this how you think I should have responded? It's not going, yeah, man, they had it coming. It's going, you know, is that really the, be- despite how culture says, despite what everybody else would do, is that what the Bible says as people and men of God, is that how we're supposed to respond? That's what real friends do. Yesterday, I had somebody uh, say this to me, and they said, uh, they gave a scenario, and they said, is it, everybody's telling me I should be mad at them. This is, this is the statement. Everybody's saying I should be mad at them. Should I? And I looked at the person, and this is what I said. In the eyes of everybody else, absolutely, you should be upset with them, and they did you wrong. But do you want it to steal from the joy of today? Do you want it to steal from the heart of who you are? And they looked at me and they said, wow, that's really good perspective. I said, I don't have it all the time, but sometimes I give you good advice. Because the world is saying, oh, they did you wrong. End it. Be mad. Throw stones. Say words. And Jesus says, how about you just forgive them and move on? How, how, how about you just realize that they're human and instead of stealing your joy and stealing your life and stealing your purpose because now all you're doing is stewing, I can't believe they did that to me. I can't believe they said that behind my back. I can't believe, and now your whole world is ruined and your whole life is turned upside down. Instead you say, God, I forgive them and I give it back and whether I talk to them ever again, whether they're my friend after this, I, I forgive them and I move on. I want somebody in my life like a David and a Jonathan where it says that their friendship was closer than brothers. I want people like Paul and Silas who went through hell and back and fought together spiritually and said, you know what? I, will, I would rather worship with you in prison than be drunk with you at a bar. That's what they did. I'd love to have a Moses and Aaron situation 
where, where Moses is, is making excuses. God, I can't start a church in Camden. I'm not from the South. People think I'm weird. They, they, they keep thinking I'm from California, but I'm not. I just moved from there. I don't claim them. They're not my state. Texas is, the, the one south of us, but they don't believe that. Like, God, really? And he goes, don't worry, I'm going to send enough people that talk southern for you. It's okay. That's, listen, that's what Moses and Aaron, Moses is like, I can't speak, I got a speech impediment. He goes, cool, I'll send Aaron, and Aaron will be able to talk the, 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 the native language. Hey, y'all, what you doing? <laughs> Just, <laughs> listen, if you don't get picked on by me, you're not loved. Um, because listen, it's not about doing things on your own. It's not about being, listen, success is not the goal. Effectiveness is. And I want to be effective with people. I want to be, look at, I want to be able to look at a call and go, man, I've watched him from a teenager in high school and man, the man that he's becoming, it's because he allowed people into his life to speak life into him and vice versa. And I, and I can, I can look out and I can see the stories and the testimonies of people that have been built into each other. Doing life together requires relationship that pulls the best out of people. That holds people accountable. That challenges, encourages, and convicts. Now listen, here, here's, the, here's the caveat to this. You cannot convict what you're not invited to. This is very key because this is where the church gets it wrong. As we go around just handing out judgment. <laughs> sinner, 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 sinner. This is what we do. Like, we're like, we're really good at it. It's like Santa Claus on Christmas morning, like, yeah, sinner. Sinner, saint. <laughs> Once again, because we judge everybody by their actions and us by our intentions. And the problem is, is that then people go, I don't want to walk into church because I'm going to be judged by what you think I am, not maybe what I'm working on being. I want people in my life that invite me into encouragement and conviction. I cannot, if you don't invite me in, I'm not going to hit you up on your life. That's not my job. That's God's. That's the Holy Spirit's. As an individual friend, if you say, hey, hold me accountable. I want to be a better father. I want to be a, a better Christian. I want to, I want to be challenged in life. I, listen, hey, if, if you see me slipping, call me out. But listen, if you don't invite people in, then it's just bad judgment. There is such thing as good judgment, by the way. A lot of us, we, we get it twisted that, the, oh, the Bible says don't judge. It never says that. Ever says that. It says in the measure in which you judge, you will be judged. So if you judge accordingly correct to the scripture, you're going to be judged according correctly to the scripture. But when you just judge people because you think you're holier than them and better than them, then you're going to be judged with that same required effect. I mean, think about it. If I look at Cole and I go, Cole, you're a good looking man. His girlfriend's going, I know. <laughs> he looked really sharp in a suit, by the way. Did I not just judge how he looked? But it's because I gave him a positive judgment that it's not judgment, that's just wisdom. 
It's still judgment. The Bible doesn't say don't judge. It says don't judge wrongly. (laughs) Use wisdom in how you interact with people. Be invited in so that when you do have something that is encouraging or convicting or challenging, that they're willing to listen and not turn their ear away from you because they feel hurt. You got to know your audience. You got to know whether you're invited in to that arena in their life. Iron sharpens iron. The, the third thing is this. Your love for others is a witness to God or for God. Your love for others is a witness for God. You don't believe me? Look at John 13, 35. It says this. Your love, <laughs> I swear I got this point literally out of the Bible. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How you treat people and then call yourself a follower of Jesus will determine what other people think of God. That's a heavy load. But it's only a heavy load if you're treating people poorly. Think about this. If you knowingly treat people poorly, you're like, oh, that's such a heavy weight. I don't want people to think negative of God. Well, then stop thinking negative of people. I I hate to like it, it, but it really is that simple. (laughs) You may be the only Jesus people see in this world. And you can run from that. Oh, I don't want that kind of weight on my shoulder. Don't follow Jesus. Did my pastor just tell me don't follow? Yes, if if you're not willing to like really live it out, don't be lukewarm. Revelation says it. I'd rather you be hot or... Revelation 3 is not about the sinner. It's about the believer. So when you read that and it says, I'd rather you be hot or cold and I'd rather you not be lukewarm for I'll vomit you out of my mouth. This is what God's saying. This is not my words. This is God, okay? So when he says that, he's not talking to the unbeliever. He's talking to the believer. And he's literally saying, listen, I would rather you either be on fire and excited about me rather than you just showing up to church and thinking you're checking all the marks off. And then going and living however you want outside of the world because they are seeing a completely false version of of what godly people look like. And so I'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. Saying, listen, your love, the love that I have given you and the way that you treat people, it's going to show the world me. And why the world, why that's so important is because the world will say when, when, when Val is made fun of at work, that she is to make fun of them back. Stand your ground. Get in their face. Shoot, go outside and throw, throw, you know, throw it down right in the middle of the parking lot. And you, if you think, well, that's not for adults, bull. You haven't seen enough TikTok and YouTube. It happens all the time, people. How many fights cops get called to? Grown adults. Grown, stupid adults. Because instead of showing the love of God, they would rather just do whatever they want to do. Well, you may be mad, so I'm going to sock you in the face. You have that right. You also have the right to be socked right back. See, the reality is this, is that how you love the world is how they're going to see the love of God. How you love the world is whether or not they're going to ever walk into those doors with you. Your love is a witness for God. How you treat people, interact with people, show, shows more about your relationship with God than ever going to church will. Let me, let me restate that again, Okay. How you love people with the love of God is far more important than whether you'll ever show up in church. And so, 
We've got to love people correctly. We've got to show them God's goodness. Okay, I'm ending. I'm going to end with a couple of practical. I love practical things because a lot of times I can give you these truths and you'll be like, okay, what do I do with them? I want to give you some practical tips. I call them literally practical practices. Okay, practical practices. Things that I pulled from the Bible that you can do. And the first one is this, acts of random kindness. Ark. I'm so witty. Ark. Acts of random kindness, right? Uh, Hebrews 13, 16 says this. We will show mercy to the poor and not miss an, listen, and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness. For others, for these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. How powerful is that? I'm not going to miss opportunities to show kindness to people. We were in Walmart uh, last Sunday. And if you've ever been on Walmart on a Sunday, Lord help us, it is the pit of hell. Especially since they've like made the aisles shorter. They're like asking for people to ram each other. (laughs) I'll get through this. We're we're just cruising along, be bopping, do-do-do-do-do after church. I really wanted to take a nap, but I got drugged to Walmart. And there's a cart coming this way. Our cart's coming this way. And then you've got the Walmart worker with the gigantic cart doing somebody else's shopping. Standing, I'm like, oh, how's this gonna go? And I stand there and I just wait. And the worker looks at me and goes, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm in your way. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. It's okay. Do what you gotta do. It's I'm in no hurry. Whether I get two feet in front of you or two feet behind you, I'm still going to get my shopping done. So if I have to wait here another 15 seconds, it doesn't change anything. And she just looked at me and she goes, that's so kind. Thank you. And my wife turned around and looked at me and goes, that's so funny. Today is like random acts of kindness day. And I'm like, I didn't even know that thing existed. It should be every day. Like we got one day a year that we got random acts of kindness. The Bible says that we should not miss an opportunity to show kindness. This isn't a scripture that's in here, but it made me think while I was up here that in the book of James, it says to know to do good and not to do it is sin. That, that, can I tell you, that scripture messed me up as a teenager when I read that. I was like, oh. You could have it all together. You could be, oh, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. And God says, yes, but are you missing opportunities to love people? Because if you know better and you're not doing it, that's sin. Why? Because we're saying, God, I I can check mark all the things that look like a good Christian, but I don't really want to change into what you've called me to be. And so he says, listen, if you know to do it and you don't, if you hear my voice say, go buy that person's lunch, go open that door, go talk to that random stranger about me, and you don't, you're disobeying God's command for you. And that was so powerful to me. So acts of random kindness, man, we should be looking for opportunities to love and show kindness to people, motivating others. You want to you show kindness and love to people, motivate others. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways, this is, this is intentional, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. I've said this all along, the biggest word, the difference between saying you're a Christian and living as a Christian is intention. Are you intentionally focused on pleasing God? Are you intentionally focused on sharing his love with others? 
let us think of ways to motivate one another. Chris, what are you going to do this week? When you wake up, are you going to think of ways to motivate, not just be a good teacher, but to show them the God in you while you teach? Well, not this week. <laughs> You're excited that you don't get to see them. Um, just saying, he gets to have the week off. Motivate one another. This is where it comes important to encourage. Hey, man, I'm just thinking of you, praying for you. Go and be the best version of yourself today that you can. Motivate one another. Encourage one another to do things that are going to show God's love. Serve one another. The next one is serve one another. First Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift. Okay, you're all gifted. So if you're, I don't have anything to give, that's a lie. Bible says so. God has given each of you a gift. Maybe you just haven't found it yet. From his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Your gift is not to make you look good, feel good, or, or, or anything about you. It is about serving others with it. It's about showing kindness to others. It's about making other people better. God has gifted me to serve others. Yesterday, at, at Kendall's wedding, um, we were told multiple times, me and my wife, you, you, you need to just enjoy yourself. Stop working. Stop, just go sit down. Just, you know, listen, here, 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 was, here was our heart. And I'll tell you this from me and, and Stephanie. I would rather serve so other people can enjoy the night than to, to just watch something needing to be taken place. That and my wife was doing it. So if my wife was doing it, then I, you know, husbands, you know, right? If my wife is moving, I'm moving, okay? My wife didn't stop moving. I'm like, I had to like beg her to sit down and eat tacos so I could eat, okay? I'm like, please stop moving so we can eat, okay? But, but seriously, like, we've, I went home tired, but I went home joyful. Why? It's not so that we can go, oh, good job. No, I could care less. It's so that my friend Kendall could have an amazing wedding and didn't have to worry about anything. That's it. Can we do that for everybody and at every event? Probably not, but you know what? I want to, man, if I can serve, if I can love you through, through acts of service and kindness, doesn't it go a long way? Serve one another. Serving people brings joy to others and purpose to ourselves. Think about it. When you, you may be tired at the end of serving somebody, but you also go home going, wow. Some of you that, that do some of the events with us, the candy cane hunt, it's fun, but you know, you'll still be exhausted. You're running around filling trees and stuff with candy canes, and kids just exhaust you in the first place. You go home, man, I need a break. I'm tired. But you also go home and go, man, I, made a, I saw a smile on a kid, and they thanked me. I made a difference. We have gifts to serve one another. The last two, and Hannah, you can come on up. The last two, the, this last one is, is probably the hardest one. It's bear and forgive. Bear and forgive. I want to read the same scripture, but in two different translations. First one is in NIV. It's Colossians 3, 12 through 13. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, me and you, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then it says this, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. 
And then this last line is just really messes you up. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now let me read it to you in the Passion Translation. It says this. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Oh, what a great line. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. See, it's not about agreeing. It's about understanding. I've never been addicted to anything. I don't have that personality. It's just not who I am. So when somebody comes out of that lifestyle and they try to explain that to me, I, you know, I'm like, man, that must really suck. The closest thing I get to addiction is when I walk through boo, uh, the, the Bluebell ice cream. <laughs> I can't not stop and at least look. <laughs> Y'all don't know my pain. It's so expensive, though, I can't even afford it. Can you take my kidney for some Bluebell? But what can I do? I may not be able to understand what you're walking through because I've never felt that a range of emotion or, or, but I can understand. I've never walked through divorce. It doesn't mean that I can't be an ear to listen and a willingness to, to help you through your life. See, it's about understanding. Are we already on the second part of that? I, I walked away from my tablet. So be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble. I love this. Unoffendable in your patience with others. Oh, Jesus. Some of y'all need to like plaster this on a mirror every morning to help you realize this is how I'm supposed to deal with people. And I'm not, I know it's like, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you because the world's going to tell you how to, listen, can I be real for a minute? The world's going to tell you enough how to deal with people. The Bible lays it out really simple. Be unoffendable. That's hard. In your patience with others. Listen, tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. When you bear with somebody, their pains and their hurts, when you walk through life with somebody when you don't need to because you want to show them God's love and care and kindness, when you forgive them when the rest of the world says, ah, turn your back on them and you extend God's goodness, you know what that does to somebody's heart? They go, who is this person? Oh, I knew the Deanne of 10 years ago. I didn't, but make up things. 
She'd take you outside and beat you down one wall and out the other. Now with Jesus and coffee, she's a completely different person. Hopefully in that order. But it's true. I, I do know Deanne from four years ago. I remember her walking into this church and, and, and I'll be very honest. She, she carries a completely different countenance today than she did when she walked in the first time that Sunday. Why? Because people are willing to do life with people and bear with one another and care for one another and love one another. We've got some military people in this room. You know what it's like. You don't leave a brother or sister behind. You don't just, well, they, they've been shot. Let's just keep on moving. No, somebody's going to drag their butt. Somebody's going to carry them. Somebody's going to get them out of that hell because we're not leaving them behind. And we get to church and we go, oh, they're weighing us down. Oh, they're not very good Christians. Oh, we'll just leave them. Just let's cast them out. No. Let's have patience towards one another and say, let's do life together, man. I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail me. Let's just keep moving in life. I love you, even if it's tough. Let me not live on, end on Debbie Downer. The last one is we got to live in peace. Some of you are like, how do we do that? Please give me that treasure. It's real simple. Romans 12, 16 through 18. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Let's not make it harder than what it is. When you live in a way that you share joy with people... And you don't allow them to just offend every little thing that it's you know, every nerve. Listen, if you're having a bad day, just stay away from people. It's really not that hard. Pray a lot. Practical steps that you can do every day to deal with people. Acts of random kindness. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Love one another. Live at peace. I'm not going to let you steal my peace. I'm not going to let you and your world and your negativity, I'm not going to let it come in and decide how I'm going to live life. I'm not going to let your chaos invade my space of God's presence. And that comes through connection with him and prayer and, and a lot of the things that we talked about the last two weeks. Will you close your eyes with me? As we enter this season, I want to encourage you that if maybe there's somebody in your life where you need to either seek forgiveness or give forgiveness, I want to encourage you to maybe reach out to them and say, hey, listen, I've been holding on to something. The Bible's very clear that we can't really truly live for God if we hold anger or hurt or pain in our life against somebody. And whether they receive your forgiveness is not, that doesn't determine whether or not you've released forgiveness. It's two different things but you can release it. Maybe you're just challenged with people. Like <laughs> Some people aren't people people. But I believe that God has given us a heart to love people. 
So maybe you're sitting in this room and you're, you're here today and you're like, you know what? I just, I know that I struggle with how I treat people and, and I'm just asking for prayer today. Nobody looking around. I want to pray for you. If you struggle with people, maybe you just raise your hand so I can pray for you. That's all I want to do. Amen. 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 I really do believe that that one of the biggest struggles now is because of the culture that we live in and, and a lot of the things that happen in our life, we, we have become less patient and, less, and, and far more offendable and a far more short-tempered. And The only person that can change that is the grace of God. So Jesus, I pray for those that raise their hand right now. I pray that your grace would cover them and your love and your kindness. God, I pray that you would daily remind them through these scriptures, maybe they wrote them down, maybe maybe they'll go back and listen to this message again and again until it seeps into their spirit that it would change how they see people. God, help them not to be quick in anger, but to be quick to listen and slow to anger, slow to speak. God, that we would that we would live in such a way that we are that we we build up our spirit to be unoffendable by what people say or do. that, God, we would reach people with love and kindness. That, God, we would know that if, if, if maybe they're part of these people that we don't need to have in our life, I can love them from afar. And so I make a decision to, to cut people out of my life that are going to drag me down and drag me away from you. And so I cut them out. Even though I love them and I'm not asking anything of harm or any, we, we, we know the people that we need to, to draw close to and the people that we need to let go of for a season. God, I pray over those that raise their hand and said, I just need God's help. I pray daily that you would help them, God. Speak into their life. Change their spirit. Give them thoughts, God. Help them to be intentional in their thought process. I want to encourage you, maybe after service, that Nancy's here, I'm here. If you need prayer, maybe you're, you're, you're struggling with a relationship, a friendship, a work relationship. Maybe it's, it's parents and you're like, how do I forgive somebody who's done this? How do I, I just need prayer in this. Come to us. We, we want to pray for you. We want to set an atmosphere of God's presence in your life to help you walk through forgiveness. So Father, I pray if there's anybody here that needs to let go of things, God, that they would, they would meet with you. Spend some time in prayer this afternoon or today or with one of us. And God, we would seek forgiveness and we would seek your heart in the matter of how to love people. I pray that as we go our way this, this week, as we enter Thanksgiving week, that, God, we would be full of thanksgiving. We'd be thankful for who you are, thankful for the lives that are in our life, for our family and our friends, God, for the community that we get to do life. And, God, we thank you for that. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 